It's time for episode 72 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 28, 2015. Clockwise, where four puny humans discuss four technology topics, all in the time it takes Apple to sell 17,000 iPhones. Welcome back to Clockwise, the podcast that's first in your hearts and less than 1,800 seconds long. I'm Jason Snell, and across the country from me is my co-host, Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. 1750, 1749. <laughs> no! <laughs> this show's time-constraint is bad enough already. Don't count me down. Okay, sorry. Sorry. I was trying out for my new career as the replacement for the Count on Sesame Street. Okay. Uh, we have two excellent guests to join us. To my left is the editor-in-chief of The Wirecutter. Welcome back to the show, Jackie Cheng. Hello. Hello, thanks for having me. It's great to have you back. And to my left, noted podcast co-host, you've heard him on ATP and Analog, and he drives, I think, a white BMW, right? It's Casey Litz. <laughs> That's noted white BMW driver. Wow. That's right. So so Jackie is the editor-in-chief of one of the most popular websites on the internet, and I'm the guy who drives a Beamer. That, that's, a, that's a great way to start <laughs> a, out. A white Beamer, Casey. A white one. A white one. Yeah, I'm so glad you're back, Casey. Welcome back. <laughs> no, in. it's good to be here. Thank you so much for having me back. Okay, so we, this is how the show works if you are just tuning in or you bumped your head and you can't remember. Uh, in less than 30 minutes, we talk about four different technology topics. So we keep it snappy. And I will go first uh, with the first topic, which is Apple's results came out this week. Uh, they set a record for basically the best quarter that a company has ever had ever, which is insane. And the number that really blew me away was the 75 million iPhones, just short of 75 million iPhones in a three-month period. That is nine iPhones per second. I told my wife this yesterday. I said, you know, Apple sold an iPhone every nine seconds. And I said, nope, nope, nope. Nine iPhones per second. It's that <laughs> insane. So my question is, what is what, what frontiers are left for Apple to conquer? What's left for them to do? Is this peak Apple? I, I'm really looking for your reactions to this. It, every time we think, okay, it can't get any crazier for Apple. It just gets crazier. So what what is left? Uh, what is left in the story of Apple? Jackie? Oh, boy. Um, well, you know, I, I always try to avoid making grand predictions. But, um, you know, like you just said, I think that Apple, you know, constantly is keeping us on our toes. So even though we always, I feel like we always kind of feel like we know that it's peak Apple. And yet, you know, three years later, something crazy happens. So um, I don't know if we've reached that point yet. But, you know, that I guess Tim Cook also said that the Apple Watch will be coming out in April. So we have that to look forward to um, and see how that plays out. And it may not stay in watch form. You know, it could morph into all kinds of different stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there's some new stuff on the horizon. I think it'll be an interesting, you know, next five to ten years. You know, uh, there's nothing left. It's over. You should pack it in. It's, done. <laughs> it's totally over. Uh, pack it in. Just yeah. toast. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, I agree. We all there always seems to be these new peaks they hit, and especially this time around when it's like the most profitable quarter ever. And you know, our tendency is always to think what goes up must come down, but so far we haven't seen any indication of that. Are you saying <laughs> Maybe Apple I'm is going to right space, now. Dan? Is that where I, they're going? Are they going to Mars? Yes. Welcome to the i space. <laughs> it's black, simple black, only available in one color. I, actually, I think it's space gray. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, like Jackie says, making grand sweeping predictions is usually a bad idea. But here goes. No, <laughs> um, I think that, you know, Apple has shown us that it's really good at finding new spaces and new types of products. And I think that, you know, in the same way that 30, 20 or 30 years ago, Apple was a computer company and then shifted to an I, you know, making, you know, consumer electronics and now smartphones and tablets. 
I think that the limit is not in terms of how many more iPhones they can sell, but in terms of what other product carriers they can come into. And maybe the Apple Watch isn't going to sell the way the iPhone sells, but that's not saying that the next thing after the Apple Watch won't. So I'm, I'm interested. I feel like, you know, they got a lot of momentum. They're playing their cards right. And I don't think that we've seen the, uh, the peak of it quite yet, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, kind of building on what Dan just said, I feel like expanding categories is the obvious answer. Um, I'm trying not to channel Gene Munster and, and start talking about the TV, but, um, you know, the, the whole Apple Pay thing, thing it actually strikes me as very interesting because on the surface you could argue that Apple Pay is almost banking which is not something that Apple intends to do it's just something that kind of comes from wanting to delight their customers and that makes me wonder well what other sorts of ancillary environments and 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 industries are they going to start looking into and that also makes me wonder, you know, is, is acquisition perhaps another way to enter an industry that they're not used to being in? Um, for example, maybe they'll start a chip fabricator, which naturally would probably be used only for them. But nevertheless, it's something different for them. Or perhaps, you know, they will finally buy Tesla like everyone hopes they'll do. Well, nobody actually hopes, but everyone suspects. And and you never know. But I, I don't know what where else they can go that's upward I guess in summary, what I'm saying is maybe they'll go outward instead and that'll be enough, but they are enveloping all things in the, in the industries they're in right now. So they got to go, they got to go somewhere. Yeah. I, I, there are moments where I, I lose the, uh, what's the line from Ghostbusters? I've lost the capacity for rational thought. It's just such a big number. It's very hard to understand what's going on here. Other than that, the iPhone is not to take Dan's space metaphor, but the iPhone sales (laughs) are are just huge. If you look at the chart of, of, of product revenue, there's like, boom, it just, the the other ones are doing fine. And then there's the iPhone, which is totally insane and getting, uh, getting crazier as they move to other markets like China. Anyway, it'll be fun to watch. What happens next? And uh, since we can't all see the future, um, I'm going to go with the space gray Mars thing. So thanks, Dan. Jackie, uh, what's your topic? Um, Oh, so my topic was exploding kittens. And uh, (laughs) what I put into the spreadsheet was exploding kittens. Why? Uh, So I guess I just wanted to um, ask you guys just in general what your reaction to the whole exploding kittens thing has been. And I'll give you a brief rundown just in case anyone does not know. Uh, the, the quick version is kittens um, are exploding. Yeah. Kittens are exploding. (laughs) Um, no, so uh, a member, a former member of the Xbox team teamed up with the Oatmeal Guy, uh, and they made up a card game that was originally based on just a standard deck of cards um, and some jokers, and then they kind of made a whole bunch of rules, and then they made their own card game. Um, they called it Exploding Kittens, and they illustrate, or, you know, they're kind of working on the illustrations. And they put it on Kickstarter with the goal of raising $10,000, and like five days later, they raised $4 million. Um <laughs> And they still have, like, you know, 20 days to go or something. So uh, everyone is kind of, like, freaking out about it, I feel, all of a sudden. And um, not that I'm, you know, trying to be a party pooper. You know, games are cool. But uh, I just wanted to know what you all thought about that and um, anything at all related to Exploding Kittens, I suppose. Because I also have played it. I think it's just me or Matthew Inman can basically, like, print money these days. It right? Like. Yeah. Um, there is this sort of weird thing. Like, between him and, and Max Temkin over for, at uh, Cards Against Humanity, I feel like they've just really cornered the market on somehow appealing to nerds with disposable income. Uh, and there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing bad about that. I mean, you know, that's, that's the joys of capitalism, I guess. 
Uh, I, I like games as much as the next guy, probably more than the next guy, uh, but I, I probably won't be backing this just because it didn't seem like it was uh, something I really need. Um, but it is nuts how Kickstarter, you know, look, we were talking about Apple's successes earlier, and it's nuts how Kickstarter seems to be like every pro- every you know month or something, we get a new project that breaks some kind of records. And I think that more than anything else, what that tells us is the, you know, despite people being skeptical of it, crowdfunding is really here to stay in some form. It's really paid off. I mean, we've had motion pictures, we've had consumer electronics devices, um, all this stuff. And I feel like the crowdfunding model has become so huge in the last few years that now when I go through and like troll sort of the gadget blogs and reading just sort of what's going on in the news, every other project seems seems crowdfunded in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that this sort of capitalizes on this idea of people wanting to be able to support things uh, especially in the space of things like games and art and stuff like that, where they're, you know, we're trying to get away from things like ad supported, you know, media. Um, I feel like there's an opportunity for people to say, hey, I like this thing. I want to put my money where my mouth is. And so if somebody is immensely popular and starts a Kickstarter campaign, uh, it's a really good way to get funding for something that might otherwise have a really hard time getting some money, which is, I guess I should all sum this up, sum this up by saying, I'm starting a Kickstarter campaign. If you'd like <laughs> to pay no. It's funny because when I first became aware of Kickstarter, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago, a few years ago, I had assumed probably because I'm such a nerd that most of the things that you would find on Kickstarter are gadgets and things of that nature, you know, small electronics that people have created in their, you know, garages, but they want to mass produce, but they need the money to create the the machines and whatnot or, or to employ people to to produce it. And that's what I expected to see from Kickstarter. But my goodness, any Kickstarter that I that that kind of comes into my radar screen, so to speak. It seems to be either some sort of game like this one, or like you had said, Dan, some sort of art project or something like that, which is by no means a bad thing, but a very different trajectory than I had expected when I first started uh, browsing Kickstarter way back when. And certainly there are plenty of neat electronics that that you can get on Kickstarter. In fact, I got um, uh, something, it was a, hard, a, a little micro SD caddy that plugs into the SD reader on your Mac, but it's very, very shallow. So instead of like an SD card, uh, it's a nifty mini drive. I was stalling while I could remember the name of it, the nifty mini drive. So anyway, so you stick it in the SD card slot of your Mac and it's specially constructed to fit the particular Mac that you have. And it, it sits flush. And so basically what you're doing is you're adding another hard drive to your Mac. And that's a perfect example of the sort of thing I expected to get from Kickstarter. But we've kickstarted a handful of things, my wife and I, and one of them was like a big map. One of them was my wallet and all sorts of stuff that I would not say are electronics. And I think that's both surprising and actually kind of awesome. This is a fascinating bit of, of, of crowd dynamics because I first heard about this the other day. I think while I was recording um, Upgrade with Mike and I went to the page and I thought, oh, this is totally crazy, but I like that it's like it's being produced by the Cards Against Humanity people and I like the oatmeal and it looks like it's a fun a fun idea. And I had that question of like, is this going to be okay for me to play with my kids? And then I saw they had mm-hmm. the not safe for work swap out packs. So, so, you know, it is and then you can make it for adults if you want to. And and then I had that moment, which the psychology, it's like they're way past their goal. They're going to make it. And I had mm-hmm. the moment where I'm like, sure. Uh, you know, thousands of people are in, I'm in too. And I bought it. Um, why I did that. And other than that, it sounded kind of cool and that, that it was kind of fun to be part of the group. I don't know, but that, that is the brilliance of the crowdfunding psychology, the post sale 
uh, psychology, and I, I think that's a thing. I, I, I've talked to people who have who've um, actually studied uh, the 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 dynamics of when things fund and when things don't. And there is, it's true. Once something funds, lots of people come in after the fact. Mm-hmm. It looks like it looks like a fun project, um, and and it felt kind of weird to be one of the people who was um, coming in after it was already okay and saying, "Sure, I'll pile on." But uh, you know, I don't know. It, it is. Um, this is buying psychology. I don't know if this is new buying psychology or if there's somebody at a department store somewhere who's going, yes, yes, they figured it out. <laughs> but um, either way, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, I guess I never even saw it, um, you know, before it had reached its goal because it must have reached its goal in like three seconds. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I certainly I think a lot of people bought in after the fact. And, um, I mean, you know, the, the card packs are not that expensive. So, um, you know, you're, you're one of many people, Jason, who, who went in on it. All right. So uh, last week, Microsoft uh, decided to announce, you know, a bunch of stuff about Windows 10, which wasn't really important because they announced what we're really all interested in, and that is holograms. <laughs> uh, the Microsoft HoloLens, which is a in development, but maybe sometime coming product, uh, is basically sort of like if Oculus Rift and Google Glass had a baby. Uh, and so Microsoft's getting, you know, into this sort of pie in the sky, totally like out there, uh, development cycle where they're like putting out the, you know, announcing these products or devices that have this, we're totally going to reinvent computing. And everybody seemed to go crazy about this. You know, people were even saying like, oh yeah, Apple's not the exciting one. They just iterate and send, sell 75 million iPhones. But Microsoft's working with holograms. So mm-hmm. I, I got to ask you guys, are you interested in this sort of space? The idea of whether you call them holograms, augmented reality or what have you, is this an interesting device? Or is this just a gimmick and something that's never really going to materialize? So when augmented reality first came into my world was when I first got an iPhone and there were various apps that did various augmented reality things. And at the time, I thought this is a really fascinating way of of getting someone really into an app. You know, and I think one of the examples may have been Yelp. You could hold the phone up and spin around and it would show you what restaurants were in that general direction. And, I, and while kind of useless, it was a really neat party trick. And I had expected that this would actually take off and that there would be a lot of different uses for augmented reality. And I've heard of some since then, like holding up your phone and showing what, uh, I, I think it was augmented reality that shows you what flights are overhead or looking at, um, That's my different favorite, const- yeah. and looking at different constellations and they're very cool. But in terms of day-to-day use, I haven't really seen anything that I thought was that interesting, which is surprising to me because this this is something I wanted in my life and, and thought was so cool. Now, putting on this big headset and looking at uh, hologram-like things that only I can see, uh, sitting here now, that doesn't sound terribly appealing or exciting. I'm not a Minecraft person. I mm-hmm. don't do 3D modeling. I don't know what it is I would be looking at. But I feel like I sound like an old man saying that, you know, oh, that won't be cool. It'll never work. So <laughs> I'm assuming that there's something I'm missing and that in reality, it will eventually get to the point that it'll be awesome, either because we won't need the headset or because the headset will be much more svelte or whatever the case may be. So only time will tell. I, I think augmented reality has a lot of potential. I'm not sure that the, you know, it, I, obviously these things are going to start up super clunky and weird. And, um, and then they're going to maybe get refined over time if people want to use them. I, I totally see how the, this could be technology that is actually useful, which is something that I wasn't entirely convinced of with Google Glass. But um, that said, it seems really early, and I'm not sure whether Microsoft uh, 
announcing this and saying it will be a product is good news or bad news. Microsoft historically has announced lots of stuff that never, ever, ever, ever existed or not for years. And it's nice that uh, this might exist, except I look at it and think it's going to exist, but it's going to be really expensive and not very good because it's probably too soon. But it's a cool idea. Uh, You know, AR actually has applications because you're not completely cut off from reality. You're just seeing your world around you with some annotations. And Casey mentioned it. I love having that app that tells me what that airplane is and where it's going when I look up in the sky. That's really awesome. So um, I, you know, I, I, I'm encouraged by it. I, I wish they wouldn't call it holograms because unless uh, I check my Star Trek The Next Generation Blu-rays and find that Captain Picard has got mm. big uh, goggles on, it's not a hologram, <laughs> folks. It's just augmented reality. I agree with you uh, on the assessment that it seems like it has a lot more actual use versus uh, Google Glass. Um, one of my favorite parts of the demo wa- was actually, I mean, it's probably the most practical thing and maybe a little bit boring, but um, I really liked the demo where they were showing um, the person who was like fixing you know, a leaky pipe or something, and they were talking with someone who could see what uh, the person at, you know, in the bathroom could see, and they were giving instructions on how to fix it remotely. And so I kind of felt like that kind of communication with the HoloLens was really cool. Um, you know, obviously that's just kind of like a home repair type scenario, but I, you know, you can just imagine building things, uh, you know, doing all kinds of activities. Like, I don't even know <laughs> things that people do outside. Um, you know, interacting with people who are maybe not there with you, whether they're experts or even just like your family or whatever. Um, I think that's, I think that's really cool. I do actually, I have a tendency to hate most things um, when they're first uh, announced. <laughs> so yeah, so my natural tendency actually is to kind of like hate everything immediately about the HoloLens. But in fact, I, I think it looks pretty promising. Um, but of course, with the caveats that uh, Jason just said, which is that Microsoft may or may not ever deliver. Um, <laughs> and if they do, like it, it may be too early, that kind of stuff. Um, so maybe, you know, not this specific HoloLens, but I think that um, it's it's nice to see that Microsoft is investing, you know, in research and development on this. And I think that it could be really cool. I think that, um, you know, as we do more and more video calls and stuff with people and we just do kind of, we standardize these kinds of technologies a little bit more in our normal lives with smartphones, um, a lot of that stuff will move to, uh, you know, stuff like the HoloLens and maybe Oculus uh, it may be in different forms, though, but... I, I'm very skeptical with this. You all left out the primary use of the HoloLens, which is, of course, uh, designing your motorcycles. I believe that is what they showed. Uh, that is all they actually use it for. Quadcopters. Quadcopters. Yeah. Printing quadcopters and designing motorcycles. That's, that's what we'll all be doing in 10 years, pretty much, um, with our devil-may-care lifestyle. So I, I'm not a huge uh, bullish fan of this either. I think that it's probably more hype than substance right now. Um, but with all the attention being paid to the augmented reality and virtual reality spaces, I think it's probably only a matter of time before something comes out of them that really latches onto the public's imagination. So it may or may not be the HoloLens, but uh, I think we're heading in that direction. Casey, you bring a topic for us today? Yes. So my question is less timely and more general, which is what annoyance in your life is in most in need of some new fancy technology to make it that much less annoying? And I will round out the group. So let's start with Jason. I'm not sure this, there's anything in my life so annoying that I really need new new fancy technology. I think life's I think life's pretty good. It's pretty easy. I'm 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 doing okay. So I don't want to I don't want to seem ungrateful. Uh, and that's why I say I don't know. I get up in the morning and you know my cat is meowing at me and because he wants to be fed because this new cat wants to 
be fed in the morning and he's really annoying me and I, I stumble <laughs> out there and feed the cat. So either automatic cat feeder or um, then I make the tea and uh, I, I have been for two years now looking at that Breville automatic uh, loose tea maker. <laughs> it's tea mine, thing. Snell. Hands off. Oh, my God. <laughs> and and, and I, I keep thinking about it. It's like I could set this to make tea in the morning automatically. And instead of doing it, you know, manually with a tea kettle and a pot and loose tea and all of that. And I, I think about that. So the most most of the time when I'm thinking of, you know, oh, this is a thing that I could do. It's something like it's something like that. So I'm going to I'm going to say that or, you know. I don't know, Bluetooth garage door opener or something. You know, you kind of got me distracted on the whole uh, automated cat feeder thing because I don't know if you've done any research on these things, but they are all terrible. I haven't. You know, I, I guess I, I'm not trying to steal your suggestion, but I mean, honestly, they're cat like pet feeders in general, the automated ones are just not good. And it's not, you know, it's not that they can't be improved upon. I think it's just that a lot of these, the the companies that make them are kind of not thinking like technology companies. And so, yeah, I guess in a way I agree with that. I think it would be nice to be able to set up um, a way to take care of my pets fully uh, while I'm not home if I'm traveling instead of having to have a pet sitter come over. Um, one thing that I just started using, um, which is actually a Kickstarter thing that I backed, is this thing called the Pet Cube, which is really fun. Um, you, it, you can play like laser laser with your cats remotely uh, you know, and watch them with a camera. So I think that that kind of stuff, you know, we're moving in that direction. Maybe it's a little kitschy. Maybe it's kind of like Internet of Things type thing. But um, I don't know. I kind of like that stuff stuff. I like Internet of Things. Um, so, hey, if I can add like a really great automated pet feeder to my my Internet of Things, then that's great. So I, I think, you know, Jason kind of stole my answer for the automated tea maker, which uh-huh. I think I, t- I told him about. <laughs> I, I'm going to take credit for <laughs> Oh, wow. But so here's the thing. Even if you have the automated tea maker and it makes your tea automatically, you still got to get out of bed to go get it. So I'm going to say robot butler is what I need. <laughs> right. I think that is the most important <laughs> thing that two. can be developed. So, step one, tea maker. Step two, robot butler. The robot butler could feed your cat too, Jason. That's all I'm saying. It's yeah, like, this is like yeah. a two for one. Um, <laughs> I really, yeah, I, th- I think we all need robot butlers just a little bit more in our life. Uh, uh, barring that, however, I will say the other sort of uh, pain point, if you will, in my uh, daily life is I spend probably way too much time in my living room in front of my television, and there's just still too many remote controls. And I have a Harmony Universal remote control, and it works for like, 80% of what I want to do. But then sooner or later, some new thing comes along like the Amazon Fire TV and it doesn't work with the Harmony. So why hasn't anybody invented a really awesome remote control that will handle all of my devices seamlessly and will actually work and I won't have to program with these bizarre arcane pieces of software on my computer? I mean, I, I don't know. It seems like this is an area that would be awesome to have some standardization. Uh, I've seen a couple good, we were talking about crowdfunding projects. I saw a couple good Kickstarter projects um, recently that are uh, trying to approach this, but I feel like unless you get sort of some buy-in from all the major electronics manufacturers, probably not going to necessarily catch on. So somebody please fix the remote control. Apple, maybe you got space. We talked about it. There's there's room for them to expand <laughs> outward. That's a, a vertical, maybe. I don't even know what a vertical <laughs> is. I'm just using that word. <laughs> it's the opposite of a horizontal, Dan. Okay, there you go. Thanks. So for me, um, 
my life was dramatically improved recently because I have found the solution to one of my problems, which is uh, the Chamberlain MyQ garage door opener Internet of Things thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that is the entire title. Now, um, so what it is, is it's a box that there's well, two boxes, actually, one of which you attach to your garage door opener and the other uh -huh. you sit. Or, I'm sorry, excuse me. You attach the garage door. The other you sit near the garage door opener. And basically what that, that allows you to do is it, the thing on the garage door can tell whether it's been raised or lowered. And the thing near the garage door opener can actually kick the garage door opener into raising or lowering it. Thus, if I leave the house and forget to lower the garage door, I can just get on my phone and lower it. Hmm. And I really love that. And that's really awesome. And it's also kind of cool because if for whatever reason, we need someone to get into the house, but we're not there, we could leave all the interior or we could leave the, the people garage door open and then just open the car garage door when the person arrives at the house. And that's really cool. But that's not actually answering the question. And so the annoyance <laughs> that, that I really have is I want to have some sort, either a, a hyper accurate delivery estimate for when like UPS or, or whoever oh. arrives at the house, mm -hmm. or I want to see the little truck go bouncing down the road by way of like, you know, a GPS tracker or something like that. Maybe only for the last hour before my delivery happens. So I don't have to, so I don't stalk the poor delivery driver all, all day, but just something to be able to know with a lot more accuracy. When is my new toy? I mean, my essential household good going <laughs> to arrive. That, that would be really awesome. All right. We, uh, that was an excellent topic, and we have uh, now exhausted our four topics. So I have one bonus question we like to ask at the end. Since uh, Jackie mentioned exploding kittens earlier, I wanted <laughs> to ask all of you, what's the most disappointing thing you've backed on Kickstarter? Jackie? I, you know, I actually have been thinking about this for days. I don't know that I have been disappointed by anything that I've backed. Um, I've backed a lot of, uh, like, projects that I don't really expect to get a lot out of, um, personally. So I do, like, a lot of civic projects and, like, you know, building green spaces and that kind of stuff. Um, man, I don't know. My, my favorite thing that I backed was that pet cube that I mentioned earlier. Right. You went <laughs> so positive. You, you can do that. Yeah. The only thing that kind of sucked about that was this typical Kickstarter problem, which is that I backed it like almost two years ago. And it, of course, it ran late for like an entire year. Um, so they they just delivered it like, you know, two months ago or less. Uh, and so I, I thought it would never, ever happen. I was just like, oh, this thing will never arrive. And then it arrived. So it's good. I like Jackie. I haven't found anything that I'm super disappointed with. I've got a couple sort of outstanding ones, as we all probably do, and I'm waiting to see if those deliver on their promises. Um, and everything ends up being sort of more, you know, my own problem. Like I, I backed a Pebble, and I liked it. It's cool. I just stopped using it. I backed a local film theater, which I really like, and they gave me a membership for a year, and I didn't manage to use up like all my free movies. But that's my fault, not their fault. So I really have nothing that I feel like, oh man, that didn't really deliver on promise because I tend to be very uh, you know, selective about what things that I actually back. So I will say, uh, putting a plug for the most recent thing I got, which I really liked, which is John August's writer emergency oh, pack, yeah. uh, which is like a deck of writing prompts for when you get stuck while writing your story, which happens to me a lot. So it's super cool. And I really like it. Casey. Yeah. Yeah. I've also had really good experience. I've only backed five things, uh, in, in all the time I've spent on Kickstarter and, um, there's nothing that's absolutely disappointed me. The nifty mini drive, like Jackie was saying, had a lot of delays and issues. And then the first one they delivered, it wasn't built hundred percent, right. They were very good about, you know, send it back and we'll send you a new one. But it was, by the time that came around, it must've been a year or two after it was actually, after I had 
initially backed it. Um, and it's also disappointing because I, part of the reason I got the nifty mini drive was because I didn't have a nice camera that had an SD card. In fact, I didn't have a nice camera at all. Now that we have a baby, we have a nice camera. And so now I can't use the nifty mini drive because I'm always putting the darn SD card in there. But like you guys were saying, that's kind of my own fault. Um, and to quickly be positive, Far and away, my favorite Kickstarter item is the Neat Ice Kit by our friends at Studio Neat. Um, I don't know if they've sponsored this show in the past, but they've sponsored other shows that I think all of us have been on in the past. But with that said, it is far and away my favorite uh, completely uh, ridiculous yet awesome uh, thing that I've gotten from Kickstarter. And basically, if you're not familiar with what it is, it, you put some water in the special mold, you freeze it for a day, and you take the, the ice out of the mold, you chop it in half, and you have a perfectly clear ice cube. And I don't know why, but I'm just forever amazed by that. I, I like that you guys are, are going so positive <laughs> here. The, the one that disappoints me the most is I have an outstanding Kickstarter project that I backed in November of 2010, which is for an animated Ooh, an, oh, wow. an, an animated film that the guy is a, an experienced animator and he, he was going to make this movie and he's been recording the audio and all that. And he's had lots of, his blog is the story of like the various terrible things that have happened <laughs> to him and his family personally, which is totally true. And I feel for the guy. And at the same time, I have that, I have that feeling of like, dude, it's been more than four years and it's... It's, it, it, you get to that awkward part of the relationship where everybody knows it's been four <laughs> mm-hmm. years and he's still committed and he still wants to let you know that he's working on it, but everybody also realizes that it's been way, way too long. But uh, I, I've enjoyed a lot of stuff from Kickstarter. I, I got the, and again, not a sponsor, need, the Need Simple Syrup Kit recently, which I really love for making iced tea in the summertime. I'm not a mixed drink guy, but I, I love having simple syrup around for iced tea. So I, I uh, love having that. And uh, yeah, I, I bought some great eBooks. Uh, one called The Hall of Very Good, which is about baseball, and uh, Code Monkey Save World, which is a comic book that Greg Pak did based on uh, Jonathan Colton songs. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm, uh, and I got the John August Writer Emergency Pack too, and that was also awesome. So yay, most Kickstarters, <laughs> ish to some Kickstarters. <laughs> um, I think it's just important to be picky. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true, which is why I just immediately backed that uh, Exploding Kittens thing and am a bad person. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, I hope it'll be fun, though. Okay, we've reached the end. Um, Jackie Chang, thank you so much for coming back on Clockwise. Yeah, thank you. Casey Liss, thank you for being here again. Thank you so much, you guys. Always a blast. And Dan, pleasure as always. Is is it yours? (laughs) I don't don't know. Back my Kickstarter and we'll talk. (laughs) All right. And to to everybody out there, we remind you once again in as least a threatening way as possible to watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Keep watching it. Something might happen. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 